I'm Melissa Currens. And I'm Amy Yerstead. And we welcome you to the third episode of the What Would Alice Paul Do podcast. This podcast is about demystifying what it means to be a volunteer with the League of Women Voters today. In this episode, we're going to be talking about nonpartisanship in a polarizing world, and we answer your questions. We're pretty excited to delve into this today. And a little bit nervous. Yes. Not going to lie. <laughs> Such a big topic, and we want to make sure that we do it right. We've been hearing from you guys that this is a topic you want to hear more from us about, so we're excited to do it. That's right. This, and this is really the meat and potatoes of what the League of Women Voters is, is our nonpartisan policy. Um, and this is what really makes us stand out against all the other groups um, you know, in our country. So I guess really what we should start with is going back all the way back, 97 plus years, to how did the League of Women Voters get started? Because that's really where that nonpartisan policy begins. And so we can go back to Carrie Chapman Catt as the founder of the League of Women Voters. And she was actually, before the League of Women Voters was started, um, before 1920, she was um, a chair of the National American Women's Suffrage Association. And so this was the organization that was all about trying to get women the right to vote. Um, And so after women did get the right to vote, then you had 20 million women who needed to know how to vote um, where to vote, you know, you know, what was, what was going to be on a ballot and, you know, were they going to need identification to vote? I mean, all kinds of, um, questions that they were going to have, because this was their very first time in the polling place. And so not only did they need to know what was the process to make their vote, but then they were really excited because now they had a voice in politics. And so they had all this pent up energy and advocacy energy. So they wanted to do something great. And so this is where the League of Women Voters came in. And they decided that when when the League got started in 1920, they were going to be committed to nonpartisanship, which meant that they weren't going to oppose or support any candidate or party, and that they were going to be you know, strongly committed to voter education and helping with advocacy, uh, public mm-hmm. policy issues. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when I look at the history of my local league, uh, we were formed on a Thursday, and by Monday they were meeting with public officials because so they jumped right in. Mm-hmm. And they were founded in 1920. Oh, wow. So you're an older league. That's really yeah. cool. So you're going to be partying <laughs> with the rest of the whole yeah. organization. That's awesome. I actually heard one time just recently that Carrie Chapman Cat, you know, when they had the vote uh, for women's suffrage, that day they had it they celebrated then they went out to lunch and as in league fashion we have to have food um and then after lunch <laughs> then they started the league of women voters like that wow. same day so i i mean they she just knew you know what was going to happen is that there was 20 million people that were like that the, what are we supposed league. to do like how do we do this you know so um it's really i think it's just really interesting and and this is like a this is an issue that we're still working with right now how do we get people who have never voted before how do we get them to come and vote 
Mm-hmm. And um, and it's that nonpartisan policy that they trust because the league isn't going to tell them who to vote for or what party that they should believe in. It's, you know, these are the issues and, you know, we're going to let every candidate have their say. We give everybody the same opportunity to answer the questions mm-hmm. and you as the voter get to, you know, vote the way you want to vote. What is the best thing for you and your community and your family? And so I, that's why I love the league is that they're never, they never tell me how to vote. I get to make the decision for myself. With the, with the league, we can hear everybody's side before we make a decision. We create a safe space. That's right. So I guess that goes into, um, we, I guess we should really talk about is how how we be, how we get these positions. So what so while we are nonpartisan, so we don't oppose or support candidates or parties, we are very political. Um, we're not just a you know voter registration organization. We do we do advocacy and 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 sometimes we do lobbying um, when we have a position that supports it and and the whole organization is behind that. And so the way we get our positions is actually it's actually takes a while it's not it's not a super fast process which is really great in my opinion and that we don't just jump on the first fad that comes along really um what happens is that you typically sometime around february a league calendar yes we have a league calendar we're special (laughs) like that um january february members will come together at a planning meeting at their local league meeting or at the state or even at national and they will decide if there's something that they want to look more into, if they want to study that. And so this will be on the agenda. And then if you can get enough support for it, then it'll that issue will return again a few months later at an annual meeting or a convention. And then the whole membership will be voting on whether they want to take the time and the resources and the volunteer hours and the staff time to look into this. And so they're going to start a study. And the study will take about two years to do so this is it really is a long time so i mean from start to finish we're talking like almost two almost two and a half years and they're going to do they're going to find academic articles they're going to research um you know they're gonna look at the books they're going to talk to the people who are studying this they're going to do a lot of interviews they say that already um (laughs) they're gonna put on forums public policy forums and they'll have both sides oftentimes if they can get both sides in the room um they really try to get all sides of every issue so that we're not we're not making our decisions in a vacuum and that no one feels that their 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 side isn't being heard right and um so what happens after we get all this research after the two years um, the study group, the committee, will have consensus questions. And these consensus questions, one, are really hard to write. Uh, I've seen this in action. And it's, it's um, for the actual committee members, it can be gruesome because you have to make them as bland as possible because there shouldn't be any bias in it. You don't want to have any leading questions. And that way, when they come to the membership, the members are, you know, they've been, they also have been studying along with that committee reading maybe they started a book group and they've been going to all the league events and listening to different podcasts on these issues and whatnot and then they come together they look at these these consensus questions and then they're gonna have consensus like they're it's not a vote 
we don't have a majority minority vote here. Yeah. It's it's a real it's basically what we like to say is it's the feel of the room. And so we're going to have a note taker and that person is going to try to articulate um, and everybody's going to be there to listen. And the note taker will be reading back what was what that person writes. And um, they're really just trying to get the feel of the room, the feel of the conversation. And what's really neat, I think, is that the especially at the state and national levels is that when we when we have decided that we're going to study something, this is all the local leagues. So this is hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of local leagues when you're thinking about the national organization, having these meetings, these consensus meetings, getting the feel of every single community that's participating in league. And so these are rural areas. These are urban areas. This is the, the left coast, the Midwest, the South, you know, the, the North. I mean, everybody coming together with their, their different cultures and they're all talking about these issues, working together, working through the issue. And then they have the consensus, which gets brought back to that committee. And that committee is trying to find the consensus of the organization on that particular topic. And then after that is said and done and they, they feel that they've, they've captured what everybody wanted, then that goes up to the board and it goes to the membership for a vote um, and approval. And it's, it's, it's spectacular because it's such a thoughtful sometimes tedious feeling <laughs> process, but it's not, it's not that they ever decided it on a fad. And this is, it's everybody able to make their voice heard because it's, it's not a vote. It's, it's right. consensus. There's no uh, losers. There's, there's no winners and no losers, which is why I really admire the league. I actually think consensus is the reason why I've stuck around so much because the process is so enlightening mm-hmm. and talk about um, being, having civil discourse yeah. Um, it, it allows everybody to, to kind of weigh in and have their voices heard. So it's really powerful. Yeah. One time I remember it was um, in the San Diego League and the they were working on the national study for education. And we were having our local league consensus meeting and um, almost everybody in the room was on one side. And being that we're I'm a military family, we were I was thinking on another side. And after I was able to I, you know, I said what my thoughts were on this particular issue. And after I said my piece, everybody was like, you know, I think Amy's actually, I, I like what she had to say. I'm going to move on to that side. And so then the ca- the <laughs> consensus note taker had to capture this movement. But, um, you know, one person really can have a big voice, you can present your side um, and people res- it resonates with them then the, yeah it makes it makes it really interesting I, I really value that we're not it's not vote um and just like you said it, there's always losers when you're when you're going to vote in this sort of setting and when it comes to consensus it's, it's the feel of the room you know right. what do the members want right and it, this happens at all levels of the league so at your local league at mm-hmm. your state league and and the national league it's the same process it's just as at a bigger scale so that's really that, and like like you had said about the civil discourse. This is this is how I mean the league is. This is our thing: civil discourse, consensus, the feel of the room. Everyone has an opportunity to talk, and we do this in a non-judgmental way. Um, you know, everyone feels confident that they're not going to be yelled at and they're not going to be um, judged. And so, right. um, yeah, that's why we're so we stand so strong to our nonpartisan policy is that we want to continue that even outside our consensus meetings, but even in our communities and our state and our country is that civil discourse, uh, that ability to talk to one another um, and listen to all sides because one side doesn't ever have all the answers. We need to have everybody together speaking. 
Um, so I guess the next thing would be, is that what do we do with our nonpartisan policy and why are we wanting to protect it? There's a lot of things that we need for this, mom, this nonpartisan policy for is one so that we can get, we can bring all people um, into the league to help us all have a better decision-making process so that our positions actually do reflect our community, our state, and our country. We're really, really committed to being nonpartisan so that everybody feels like this is a place that they can come to and then that our our elected officials will respect the fact that this isn't something that we just made up, that you know everybody is represented in the um, position-making process. Yeah, and the public policy positions of the league are amazing. I mean, they're in-depth, um, multi-issued. It's pretty impressive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean, spanning decades. I mean, and then we do a review of these positions oftentimes. So some of them were, you know, they might have first came out, league members had their first initial position that might have come out in like, say, the 70s. And then like every 10 to 15 years, they decide that they're going to go ahead and review it and update it or delete it if they need to be. And so um, it's not something that just sticks around stagnant forever. It's There's mm-hmm. even a review process with each of these positions. And so um, some of the things that we do as an organization with our nonpartisan policy is that we do candidate forums. And so this is one of the great things. This is why I stick with League. I love <laughs> the candidate forums. I you know, you'll see all the different parties and these different candidates and sometimes many candidates for one party running for an office, which is a wonderful thing to get all these different ideas and energy and enthusiasm to run for office. And my very first experience with participating with League in a candidate forum was when I was in Portland, Oregon, and it was a mayoral debate. And I think there was like 10 people running for mayor. Mm-hmm. And it and I was a timekeeper for the candidate forum. And I was so scared that I was going to get this wrong because it's really, that's part, it's one of the main things that we do are these candidate forums. And we have a timekeeper and we have someone that's got um, paddles <laughs> and not right. for, you know, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so everybody gets equal time. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and you uh, have a lot of power holding up the stop. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and then you have a moderator and you'll have a question screener and you'll have people running through around the audience grabbing questions from the from the audience. So that's another thing about the candidate forums is that your community is asking questions, not the league asking all the questions, but voters and, um, you right. know, anybody can come off the street and they want to participate, which is a wonderful thing. And then the league is just there to moderate and make sure that this is a safe space and everybody is treated fairly who is trying to run for office and that, um, you know, every voter has the opportunity to ask questions and learn about each of these people who are running. And so that's that's one of the big things that we do, and that goes along with our voter education and the league's 97 years of bringing information to voters. And then um, Voter Guides is another wonderful resource that the league does, and that's um, where we similar to our candidate forums, this is just – electronic or a paper version so the league volunteers and this is all volunteers that are doing this which is outstanding um the volunteers will ask through email um or even have to you know go and meet them uh, the candidates if they need to be but they'll oftentimes will email them and they give the questions to the candidates the candidates have the exact same amount of characters or spaces or whatever to mm-hmm. yep to answer those questions and then that'll be uploaded into vote411.org or into a paper version of a candidate or a voter I'm sorry a voter guide 
And then that way all voters will have access to these resources so that when they go and vote, they can compare the candidates and all the candidates um, in the same questions, same amount of space. No one's getting more or less. And um, that way the voter can just, you know, make see, see, yeah, see what issues that they care about. Yeah. And what's also cool about it, too, is that since these vo- league members are volunteers who live in your community and they're your neighbors, you know, or they might be the same people you go to church with, they have the same they have the same feelings and same issues and thinking about the same things as everybody else in that community. Mm-hmm. So the questions mm-hmm. aren't just something that like the national organization pulled out. These are what, you know, your neighbors were thinking and you could come up with these too, if you wanted to join the league. Yeah. yeah. So it's cool. Oh yeah. That'd be a great way to um, get, you know, get started with the league is figure out what questions you want to ask your public officials. Yeah, mm-hmm, absolutely. So, mm-hmm. so that's another one. And then, um, one of the things that we love to do and it just, fills our heart with total love is voter registration drives, doing it at the high schools, doing it at community colleges, mm-hmm. um, doing it at community festivals and fairs. Um, mm-hmm. Everybody loves to register eligible voters. It's just, a, mm-hmm. it's so neat to be able to say, I, I help someone, um, per, you know, now they'll be participating in the democratic mm-hmm. process. So At the cool. naturalization ceremonies, oh, yeah. leagues, uh, leagues around the country go to all, many of those and register new citizens right away. Mm-hmm. Have you ever done one of those, Melissa? I, I haven't had the chance yet, but oh. um, I see the photos and they it just looks awesome. Have you done yeah. it, Amy? I have. I did one in San Diego and um, I actually, for because we're league, I was able to stand on the podium and tell everyone how awesome it is to vote and that we encourage them to vote. And it was amazing. Like if you ever go to a naturalization ceremony, make sure you have a box of tissues with you because you are going to be crying with everybody right. else. It is such an amazing experience to see how, you know, all of these new citizens have worked so hard to be a citizen and um, they just can't wait to participate and be active. It's, it's amazing. Right. right. It's such an energy booster to see um, just even the photos. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah. and I know that leagues around the country are, we're trying to do more of that. So if that's yeah. something that you're interested in, it's likely your league um, is doing it or could do it. Yeah. Yeah. And if, I mean, there's leagues all over. So if there's one that, you know, if you're in one that isn't doing it because they're not close to it, um, field trip (laughs) (laughs) it's worth it yeah totally So I guess the other thing that we wanted to make sure that we talked about, too, with the nonpartisan policy is that just because we're nonpartisan doesn't mean that we're not political, doesn't mean that we don't hold our elected officials accountable. Um, And this is a this is important because I believe that had we. You know, there's we have a lot of positions. We have decades of positions, and that means that we've had volunteers that have worked tirelessly, and their commitment and passion to have these positions work for the common good is something that means that we we can't just let these sit idle. And that's where advocacy comes in, and that's where holding our elected officials accountable. And so that means that if we see an elected official that is doing something or passing some law that is not in line with what we feel is good for the common good goes against what the league members have worked so hard on. Um, we'll call them out. You know, we'll write letters to the editor. We'll meet with them and, you know, try to find out where it is that they're coming from. Why are they doing this? And maybe that we can come up with a better solution to this issue. 
What I, what I always say is that the league does two things that we think citizens should also do, is that we educate ourselves, but then if there is a need to act, we do act. And mm -hmm. that's what we want citizens to do. If you care about an issue, we want you to reach out to your public officials and let them know. And the league models the same behavior. Yep, absolutely. And we do it in a civil way. We're not, the League of Women Voters is not about yelling at elected officials. We do this in a, in a you know, we're, we're all respectful. We're all neighbors. We all live in this country together. And, um, but we do this in, a, in an informed way. And oftentimes those elected officials have a lot of respect because we do things so thoughtfully and um, they have a high regard for us. So those meetings are a lot easier to come by than you think, but <laughs> you have to make sure you are prepared, just as we talked about in right. our first episode with the lobbying versus advocacy. We hold them accountable and um, just make sure that we don't shy away when there's an issue that comes up. And, and that includes when we p post things on social media, uh, just because a certain person's face is on, so although you have to know social media, sometimes it's kind of challenging to take certain pictures off because it's an article from, you know, the Washington Post or something. But, you know, we um, we read these articles and then we try to share them with our members and with, um, you know, prospective members. And we want people to be informed. And then we find out later that, you know, elected official wasn't in line with the league position. And then, you know, we're going to try to make calls or write letters or put things in the newspaper. And so, mm -hmm. um, yep, it's it's our due diligence as citizens of this country. Right. You know, I think it, it's important to remember our history because the league comes from the organizations that got women the right to vote. So we work to protect voter rights now because they could be taken away. That's right. Mm -hmm. or restricted. So it's important that we remember our history, that that's why we work so hard to um, advocate on these issues or lobby on these issues. It seems like this is an issue that's never going to go away. So trying to make sure that eligible voters actually can vote and that it's not making it harder for people to vote so that we have less representation. We need to get more people in there voting so that our representative democracy actually reflects um, the country. So I yeah. have a question for you, Amy, for that on that Facebook. Um, uh, you were talking about Facebook and then if you share a link of a news story and it has an elected official's face that pops up on on Facebook. What you're saying is that that's okay because we're sharing information about the elected official. It's not that we are um, trying to give um, an elected official more exposure versus another elected official. Is that? Yeah, I would say. Um, although you're the expert when it comes to the technology stuff, <laughs> um, I'm, I'm sure there's a way that I could delete this page, that picture. But um, but I mean, yeah. exa you're exactly right. Is that I'm you're you're trying to you're sharing an article is really what it all comes down to is that there's a lot of different articles that are related to league positions and that we're we're trying to make sure that voters are aware of what's going on mm -hmm. and sometimes the way the article will pop up on Facebook or other social media platforms is that it's you know it happened to be somebody took a picture of you know this person's face and now it's showing up on that news feed mm -hmm. um but it's always important to look deeper than just, you know, the title and the picture and that you read the article because people like me are sharing those articles and saying that, you know, this is important. <laughs> Please <Right>. read it. <laughs> and um, I would say that the league wants to participate in the marketplace of ideas. So yeah. we're trying to share as many ideas as possible with people so they can, um, you know, make their own decisions. Yeah, but, absolutely. Um, and then um, you can... Um, this is a side note, but you can replace the photos. There we go. See, that's the information we need to know, <laughs> Melissa, our expert tech person over here. So um, I'll put a link of it on our blog um, 
uh, and we're at alicepaulpodcast.com. But when you load a f- um, an article and then it preloads like the name of the article and then the photo, there's a way that you can um, change the photo out. You don't have to use the photo that appears. And it's kind of hard to explain um, on a podcast since you know, it's kind of like a visual thing, but there's a little plus symbol um, in the photos and you hit the plus symbol and then you could upload a new photo. Oh, see, look at that. Yeah. Yeah. All right. We're all going to be straight from here on out. <laughs> Although I was straight from before, so it's all right. <laughs> it shouldn't stop you. If Let's say you're a new uh, Facebook admin and you want to post an article about something locally in your community and the, the local newspaper uses a picture of a council person and um, I'd still post it. Like yeah, you know, if, and yeah. really what this is coming down to, I guess what we should really talk about is that these are elected officials. These aren't people running for the office. So that's a big difference there is that we're not giving extra people, you know, people who are running for office extra platform that you should not be sharing. Um, You should make sure that you're remembering that every person who's running for office has the same amount of time and we're not going to give them unearned media or earned media. But elected officials, on the other hand, that is the person who is representing you or your community or your state. And so that's where it comes back down to is that they this is not a candidate anymore. This is a person that we are watching and that we want to make sure that they know that we are here and we're listening and that we're going to hold you accountable. Um, you had said this quote before, but that we need to um, check our party at the door when we're coming to an, a league event or a league program. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really just like that quote. I think that's a good way to keep in mind how to run like a candidate forum, for example. Yeah. Yeah. Whenever. Um, so when I was in uh, Michigan, that that's how that term got to me, that that little um, saying. And we'd have all kinds of events and that I'd always have to say that and uh, check your party at the door. And this is pe- this is a place where we can all come together and talk about the issues. And we want to hear what you have to say about these issues. But you got to check the party at the door. Right. So, yeah. And I really like um, the League of Women Voter of New Jersey created the slogan, the nonpartisan party animals. Yeah. So <laughs> and they have you, adorable shirts. <laughs> <laughs> so if you want a little league humor, um, I'd recommend that. And we'll put a link. Um, hopefully they're still on sale. But if they're not, um, at least you'd see the image. It's pretty fun. Yeah, it's cute. We are nonpartisan party animals. We are. Yeah. We know, that- we know how to have fun. That's right. It goes back to our, our friend from the last uh, episode that we talked about. And you got to have, you know, you got to bring yeah. the party. Bring when the party. League events. Yeah. <laughs> except, for the candid- except the candidate forums. That's for real. That's like serious. <laughs> right. You can have the party after. That's right. Yeah. Once you bring out the paddles, it, that you know it's serious. <laughs> For our mailbag segment, we got a question about um, the League of Women Voters podcast and who owns this podcast. And so I wanted um, to take a moment for us to kind of talk about how this works. Um, We are very grateful because the League of Women Voters of the United States shared the link to our podcast. So welcome to all you new listeners who maybe Mm -hmm. found us through that way and shared us as a resource um, so we could connect with you guys. But we did want to clarify that the League does not own this podcast. Um, Amy and I are doing this um, because we love League and so we are we are independent from the League of Women Voters, but we are um, 
dedicated, passionate league volunteers. And so that's why we're that's why we're doing this podcast. We're like league nerds. <laughs> total total league nerds. Um, and we just want to connect with um, people like us who are in membership of the league. And, you know, there's a lot of questions that come up. And so we're just we're just providing this as a service um, to you. But um, but we are grateful. They are supportive of us. And yeah. Um, but, yeah, I just wanted to clarify that. Yeah, sometimes I, I've heard in the past that uh, we have league lingo which is terminology that the league will use oftentimes. And sometimes people say that it takes a while for them to get adjusted and, and learn these terms and you get lost in the league lingo. And so our, our goal is that we demystify this league lingo stuff and that you can just catch up with a couple of podcast episodes and feel that you are right at home and you don't feel like you're struggling through the sea right. of lingo. It took me 20 years to figure this all out, so I'm trying to speed it up for everybody else. That's right. And because Melissa's my friend, it didn't take me 20 years. She kind of coached me along. No, no. You uh, you had this down. but yeah, um, no. I'm still but learning. We, we all are. And I think that's right. that is the thing. I mean, that's what keeps the league so interesting is that um, I do expect to be a member for 50 plus years, you know, because it is so interesting. So to sum up what we talked about on this episode is the nonpartisan policy and we are so, we are very committed to it and what it means is that we do not support or oppose parties or candidates. Uh, the League of Women Voters is nonpartisan, but we are very political. So we have studied our positions thoroughly. It comes from people from all over your community, your state, or your country. And these are reflecting, our positions reflect the people. It is not something that we pull out of thin air. And oftentimes each position, when it first starts out, will take at least a year, sometimes more. And our positions are reviewed every 10 to 15 years or so when the members decide. And we hold our elected officials accountable using our position. So not ideology, not parties, not candidate platforms, but the League of Women Voters, their members' consensus, their positions. Uh, these are time-tested, and we do a lot with that nonpartisan policy that is uh, very, very good for our democracy. The nonpartisan policy allows the League of Women Voters to do great work in our communities. Using that nonpartisan policy and with our positions, we hope that you will do greatness. You know, host a voter registration drive in your community, attend a naturalization ceremony, and see how you can help out with that. Um, go to a candidate forum; those are wonderful. Or town halls that the League of Women Voters hosts. Volunteer to be a timekeeper or hold the paddles. Uh, a question screener, or get some moderator trainer, and you can be the person who is commanding the floor um, at a candidate forum. So use that nonpartisan policy, get to know the league really well, and um, get to know your candidates. It's a, it's a really neat, neat process. We ask what would Alice Paul do, but it's more important what you're going to do. Until next time. <laughs>